free. It's just awesome. Just making a difference. So good. Are you guys ready for today? All right, it's going to be good. So this is, uh, I've, I've just been feeling this stirring up about just wanting to uh, guard the words over our life. You know, uh, Paul told Timothy, guard the trust, you know, guard, guard what's been entrusted to you. And, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like God's answering prayers really quickly lately too. I'm not sure if you guys have gotten in on this, but um, if you haven't, uh, start praying with expectation and see what happens. And I just, I just started praying a prayer last week uh, over my kids, and uh, all, like, you know, it was a specific prayer, and all three of them came to me with answers. Like, I didn't say, hey, boys, I'm praying this over you. Like, I just started praying it over them, and just one by one, they came, and, hey, Dad, I had this encounter, and God did this, and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, why wasn't I praying this before? And so I just want to get you guys, like, I don't, I don't know if there's anything new or whatever, but there just seems to be a grace where I think God is really wanting to underline in bold face how much he wants to partner with us to answer those prayers. You know, it says, whatsoever you desire when you pray. And so literally, your desires are being shaped in the presence of God when you're praying is because he's putting them in there. So when you're praying and your heart's being shaped, speak those things out. You know, he doesn't just get up there and do stuff. God's not like up in heaven, like, all right, I'm doing this chess move. No, like, he, it says that the, uh, the highest heavens belong to God, but the earth belongs to the sons of men. So he's actually given authority to the planet to Adam. Adam lost it to Satan. Jesus got it all back. Remember, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I just gave you like the whole Old Testament there in like three sentences there. All right. Jesus has it all back and he says, I, I've got all authority, therefore go. He's given us, we have to partner with him. And one of the ways he does that is he's waiting for us to speak things out of our mouth. Like we've got to, he's looking for someone with authority on earth to come into agreement with what heaven's desire is. And so... There's just something powerful about coming into agreement with what God wants and holding to it. Some people I've met, like if they, if they believe for a week, they feel like it's a lifetime. And um, I, I'm just interested in burning for a lot longer than that. Amen. And so I, I want to give a word today. I, it's kind of a short, brief, powerful word, hopefully powerful. And it is be powerful. I declare it will be a powerful word. But there's, there's a tactic that the enemy used back in the garden, and it just really hasn't gone away. And he tries to get you to doubt what God said. And uh, listen to uh, Genesis chapter 3. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? They've got to know the context. God, God, you know, Adam and Eve, they woke up. You know, God breathed in them. They're living in the presence of God. They're walking around with him. They wake up to a park full of food that they didn't have to work for. And um, God's an abundant God. How many guys have figured that out? They didn't wake up with one tree, and God's like, okay, here's your ration schedule. Like he's a God of abundance, but that's a whole other message. <clears throat> I think I'm supposed to speak on finances this fall again. I feel like we need to get some more breakthroughs, and so that's coming. So, so if you don't like abundance, and, uh, then you're probably not going to show up this fall. So just, just giving you a warning. So go, go somewhere else where they like scarcity. You'll, I, I can recommend some places to you. Okay, and so... Um, so God has just said, listen, you can, like all these trees, you can eat from any of them except this one, right? And then so say, I mean, like God couldn't have been more clear. It wasn't like God was being cryptic, you know, they had to solve some puzzle. And he comes up and says, has God said? And I realized the, the temptation was to partake of the, food, to, of the fruit, but they wouldn't have done that unless they'd been first deceived and not stopped believing what God had said. So the temptation is to, be, to not believe what God is saying. Listen, guys, deception doesn't come up to you with a name tag and be like, hey, I'm deception. Like, want to follow me? Doesn't that sound like fun? Like, my father's the devil. And like, like, it doesn't come up to you. It's more like that movie Inception. You guys remember the movie Inception? 
oh, what a mind bender movie, you know, that thing was. And so, but the idea of the movie of Inception is how can you plant a thought in someone's head, but make them think that it's their own thought? It didn't come from the outside. That's how temptation comes. It doesn't come to you. It makes it feel like it's coming from you. Like, did God really say this? Did, did I make this thing up? And maybe I was just being a little bit too emotional. You know, God says things like this. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How many of you already knew that verse before I quoted it? Okay. Now, how many of you have ever had this? You don't have to raise your hand on this next one, but it's like, I can't feel God. I think he left me. <laughs> so it's like, oh, hold on. Like, like when, did, when did the I'll never leave you part? Like, remember, it's called the faith. It's not called the feeling. People are like, pray for me. I, think, I, mean, I've, I mean, I've had multiple people, you know, you call me with something like this. Pray for me. I think God's left me. You know, what, what, where are you getting that from? You're beginning to, has, has God really said, you know, that? Colossians 1.17. I want to give you a picture of God's word, how powerful it is. And Colossians 1.17. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. Hebrews 1.3, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. I want you guys to get this. The entire universe, galaxies, the chair that you're sitting on, your human bodies, the molecules that are attracted together. Scientists can't really explain it. They talked about you know, the positive and the negative and the, uh, the electrons and protons and all this type of stuff, but um, they can't really explain what causes that attraction. The Bible unveils it and says it's actually the word of God. God's word is literally holding the universe together. I want you to get this picture. If God's word were taken out of the equation, the entire universe would disintegrate. Chaos would happen, okay? Chaos reigns wherever there's not an embracing of God's word. When God speaks the word into that thing and we ignore it, it's like our life begins to come apart. It's like total chaos. Like, what is happening here? We begin to struggle. You know, maybe you've had this happen. Um, you, know, you thought you heard something from God. So someone gives you a prophetic word, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Or maybe there's a message at a conference or even a church service on a Sunday morning. Hello. Maybe a song, maybe a dream, maybe a vision. Maybe it's a, uh, something through a friend. It could be lots of things. And you, you received it with great joy. It was like, this is amazing. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know a couple days later, you're like, hold on. Maybe I was just being emotional. You know, maybe it was just like kind of the hype of the conference. I was getting caught up in that. Maybe that really wasn't God's word to me. What, what's happening? The enemy's coming in, and he's trying to make it sound like you. Like, like these are your th- Listen, guys, your born-again spirit is not having these thoughts. It's a familiar spirit from the outside trying to plant that thought in you and going, you got to really say that to you. I mean... I don't know. I mean, maybe that, maybe that was maybe a word for some other kind of people, but you're not even living that holy right now. And so the enemy tries to get you to question, was that really God's word? But here's, here's actually what it is. It's, he's not trying to get you to question, was that a word from God? Was that God's word for you? Oh, yeah, that verse, like, yeah, he'll never leave. Yeah, I know, but yeah, it just doesn't feel real. So what the enemy wants to do is um, try to get you to question your, your mountaintop experience. Try to get you that question, that mountaintop experience. There's a great story in the Bible. Moses is building the tabernacle. He's up on the mountaintop and, uh, encountering the Lord. And after that, here's what it says over and over. Moses built everything according to the pattern he saw on the mountaintop. Okay? So what's the mountaintop? The mountaintop, is, uh, the mountaintop is when you have an experience that you would never dare to tell anybody when you're in the valley. It's like, like you would never dream of these things in the valley. They only happen on the mountaintop, right? But God is speaking to you on the mountaintop so that you'll know how to act when you're in the valley. 
So here's Moses. He has this amazing mountaintop experience. God shows him how to plan, and he comes down and he has a valley experience. Israel is down there worshiping golden calf. I love, uh, you know, he's got like crazy family conflict. So his, I love his, uh, his, his relative Aaron says this. He says, I threw gold into this fire and a golden calf walked out. Like that's like one of the worst excuses I've ever heard in my life. It's like, like why are you worshiping? We just threw some gold into this gold calf mark. Like, like like, that's just a bad, you know, it's like, you know, I got to take my cat to the psychiatrist, you know, and so it's like, that's a bad excuse. And so, but here's what it says, is he came off of the mountaintop, he endured all that stuff, and he built everything according to the pattern that he saw on the mountaintop. Listen, God speaks to you and it comes to you with excitement. Maybe, like I said, a dream, a vision, a prophetic word. The Bible leaps off the page of you or something. And the enemy is going to try to get you to question those things because they happened to you in a time when you were emotionally charged. That's a mountaintop experience. It's okay to receive from the mountaintop. He tries to get you to be mediocre rather than the mountaintop by saying, you know, um, uh, it was just emotions. You know, yeah, it, it wasn't a real thing. Guys, I want you to get this. There is nobody who's going to protect the word of the Lord over your life but you. Here's what so many people do is they get a word from the Lord and they plant it in their heart and it's like it's so awesome. And then the enemy begins to say, was that really God? Did God really say that? And they dig it up to see if it's a word from God. And then they try to plant the seed again and then they keep digging it up. Guys, it's impossible for something to grow if you keep digging it up to see if it's really a word from God. Like, why is this thing not bearing any fruit? Because you keep digging it up. I just got that one during worship. I was like, you got this picture. So thank you, Lord. So. There is nobody else that's going to protect the word of the Lord over your life. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your pastor, not your best friend. Only you can protect the word of the Lord over your life. When, God gets, uh, when you get to heaven, God's not going to uh, reward you based on what your friends did. How good, of a, how good of a small group you're a part of. Even well-meaning people will come to you and say, Has God said, well-meaning people, how many of you guys realize that fear often masquerade, masquerades as wisdom? Paul warned his young protege, Timothy, you must guard the trust. What's he saying? You must protect the word of the Lord over your life. I can't make the word of the Lord happen in my life. I can't force it to come out, but I can partner. There's a great, uh, there's a great verse in Mark chapter 4. It talks about uh, different kinds of... Uh, um, no, that's a, it is there, but later on he talks about how um, a farmer plants seed in the ground, then he goes to sleep. And it says, while he's sleeping, the, you know, the, the grain comes up. First the head, the stalk, the grain of wheat. And then the, it's time for the harvest. I remember reading that verse. And I remember the Lord saying, Jim, the pressure's off. You can't make it happen. So guys, we cannot make the word of God happen over our lives. But there's things that we can do to continue in it, to, um, to cooperate with it. I can pray over what God has spoken. I can write it down. I can rehearse of it. I can jealously guard that thing that's been deposited. And I think we need to be think, willing to think in terms of a lifetime and not in terms of just a week. There's a desire in our culture for everything to happen quickly. It's like, man, I got this word. It's been like a month. I mean, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it come pass. And uh, listen, anyone can burn with passion for a month or for a year. I want to see people uh, burning decade after decade. Listen, I've been saved for over 40 years, and I love God more than, uh, today than I did 10 years ago, than I did when I was first born again. You know, it's a lot like a marriage. You know, there's, there's a spark, there's a flame, but you've got to guard that thing. You've got to continue to protect that thing. And uh, listen, I am more in love with my wife than I have ever been. Every, every area of our marriage is better than it has ever, ever been. Why? Because we've guarded that thing. We've protected that thing. 
Nobody else has the responsibility to protect the word over your life. Yeah, but has God said? And that thing comes to you day after day. Listen, I don't even need the help of the devil. I, like, I can discourage myself on some stuff. I can get in my own head on stuff and try to rationalize it and try to figure some of these things out. And, and I remember God told me, I, I, I was like, I think it was like a vision message was coming up in like six months. And I was like, okay, I need to, I need to come up with something amazing. You know? And so... And all of a sudden, I remember, uh, so I sought the Lord for like a day and heard nothing. And so I'm like, oh, man, like, 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 like God owed me something, you know, because I like, I sought him for a whole day, you know. And so like, oh, okay, Baker, here's your reward. And so I sought him on, a, like, I took another day and saw, uh, and I felt like the Lord said, um, pastor the church from your notebooks. And so what's he saying is, is literally pastor, pastor the church from the words that you're hearing, not, not from just trying to figure something out and amazing. God gives you a word, and then we need to seek him for, how am I going to walk out this word? It's not like you get the word, and it's like, okay, now let's go into human reasoning and strategize how we're going to figure this thing out. That was a word for somebody. Here's another word for somebody. Do not subject your, God's word to your emotions during a period of disappointment. Do not subject God's word to your emotions during a period of disappointment. Here's what happens is you have the mountaintop experience. You go out, and they're worshiping the golden calf. Things don't seem to be working out, and, um, and it's tempting to give up on those things and go, you know what, maybe, maybe I missed that whole thing. Listen, if God said it, you had better remember it. Are you ready for this? And you had better treasure it. Uh, I mean, look at um, uh, the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. She, uh, the Holy Spirit comes to her and is like, you're going to be great with child and all this. And, uh, you know, she's great with child. She has the, she has the baby and everything. And, uh, but when the, the baby was born, I mean, there was angelic words over the child. I mean, there was, there was different things. And what did it say? It said Mary took these things and she treasured them in her heart. She pondered them in her heart. I think that's just a great picture when we get these things. I think sometimes in our zeal, we want to go and share them with people. And sometimes we share them with the wrong people because they're like, eh, that's not you. No, it's not you, but it's going to be. Hey guys, if you get a prophetic word and you're like, yeah, I'm nailing that one. It's probably not a prophetic word. It's probably just like an encouraging word. Like your prophetic words are always like, seriously? Like it is going to take great faith and great transformation and great character development for me to walk that thing out. Like I hardly get prophetic words. and I'm like, oh man, I'm killing it. God, you're welcome. It's like, it's like, oh man, you just kind of treasure those things in your heart. And so if God said it, you'd better remember and treasure it. So what does that mean? Uh, my wife, she's got uh, three by five cards. And she's got this little three-ring thing. A lot of times we're sitting in bed at night, and what's she doing? She's reviewing those words. She's treasuring those words. I've gone a little more high-tech, and so I've got them on a, a, one, a Microsoft OneNote. I've got them by year. And uh, something that I did that's fun is when I see recurring things, I turn them into identity statements. So it's like, I am this. And I tell you what, there's a difference between reading it and, and reading it out loud. And I find that it actually takes faith for me to read it out loud. If you just read it, you can kind of go, hmm, that's kind of good. But to actually speak it out loud, it's like, God, I'm trusting you because this doesn't feel real. I think that's part of treasuring it. It's part of honoring it. It's writing those things down. Someone gives you a word, record it on your phone. If you don't have time, run and write down the best you can. You know, hey, hey, stop saying, get your phone out and record it. Why? Because you're going to need those things. I was just talking to someone this morning, one of the staff members, and someone just sent him a prophetic word from a little while ago. He totally forgot about it, right? I mean, so how many of you had that happen? Someone sends you a word, and you're like, oh, or you get one out from like two years ago, and you're like, oh, man, I needed this now. I forgot all about this. So this is what I'm talking about, treasuring these words. 
This is the season to get out those prophetic words and promises and treasure them and keep them before you. So I'm talking about, uh, I've got a routine now where I'll, I'll say almost every day, not every day, but uh, I'm reviewing these things. I need to retrain my mind to come into alignment with what heaven says so that I'm aware of what's possible. Because I just, man, I just, if I'm just going through life and I'm just, if I only see, I'm only seeing what is possible and what I can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. I need a prophetic word to raise my eyes and say, okay, God, there's a whole lot more going on. If hearing God is important to you, then you'll have to protect what God has given you. And here's what's going to happen. When you begin, whatever you treasure begins to increase. If you honor God's word to you, guess what? He's going to speak more to you. If you want to have more dreams, uh, if you're not having any dreams, repent for not uh, honoring the dreams you have and begin to write down the dreams you do have. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have more dreams. Why? Because whatever you begin to honor, God, uh, God adds increase to it. If, God's to know, if God knows that someone is going to steward what he has to say, he's going to have more to say to that person. Man does not leave, live by bread alone, but I, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's this uh, ongoing, engaging word that enables us to do what we could not do without that word. Every, uh, lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Proceeds is a present tense thing. So I'm literally living and feasting. I mean, we, you know, we, we live on food, right? Can you imagine a living and feasting your spirit on the things that God is saying? That's what he's talking about here. Listen, guys, for the prophetic words over your life, they're not going to just come to pass because someone said them. We've got to feed ourselves in those things. That's part of, that's part of how we become the kind of person who can carry the weight of that word. Romans 8 says that you are more than conquerors, not those who barely make it. Okay, here's a picture of more than a conqueror. I got this from my friend Bill Vanderbush. He tells it a lot better. But, um, so imagine a heavyweight boxing champion of the world, undefeated, I mean, this guy has gone through years of training, just the jumping rope alone. Like, my goodness, that would, be, that would be torturous just having to do that, let alone the sparring, the heavy bag. I mean, you know, how many injuries happen just in the sparring? I mean, you're getting punched in the face, like, you know, all, all sorts of time. But this guy, he is, um, he's undefeated, you know, he, he's fought challenger after challenger, broken nose, bloody nose, all these things. But he is, he is the conqueror. He is the heavyweight champion of the world. His wife takes the prize money and goes and spends it. She's more than a conqueror. <laughs> what did Jesus say that you and I are? More than a conqueror. Jesus is the one who went and won the whole thing. He did all the hard work, kicked the devil's butt, disarmed principalities, all that stuff. And what we do is we take his authority without lifting a finger. So I, I want you to get this picture. You are called to do great things. God's never like, yea, that I say unto thee, thou shalt be mediocre if you're lucky. You know, like, and everyone's like, oh, oh okay. You know? It's not like he's passing out like, awesome destiny, awesome destiny, low-level destiny. <laughs> Man, I knew I should have, I was going to switch with my friend. Like, I almost got in the line there. You're called to do great things. And when God talks to you, what are you going to do with what he says? Because when he speaks to you, he's equipping you. Thank you, Sean. I've always liked you. So what happens is we get this word. It's like, oh, cool, this is great. And sometimes, okay, I've seen some people, sh not everybody, okay? I've seen some people, they share their prophetic words because they have low self-esteem and they're hoping someone else will believe that about them. 
So they begin to tell other people about this amazing word because they don't even really believe it, but they're hoping that someone else will maybe kind of believe it and know it bolster their self-esteem. And so ponder those things in your heart. It's okay if you've got a good friend or confidant, a spouse you want to share those things with because uh, you might need someone to believe with you. But I'm, let it feed you. Don't use it as a badge of honor so that other people will go, wow, you're really powerful. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay, that, you know, that you shouldn't share your words. I'm just saying there is something inside of an orphan heart that gets, receives a word and doesn't really believe it and tries to wear it as their T-shirt so other people will go, wow, you're amazing. I'm not sure if I said this already, but I'm going to say it again. There is nobody else assigned to protect the word over your life. You are the only one. You can't expect your family, your pastors, nobody else. Not your mama, not your daddy. Everyone I know and love will affirm the word of God in my life, but I'm the only one who can protect it. Bill Johnson has this great statement. He says, I cannot afford to have thoughts about me in my head that God doesn't have in his. Can you imagine what would happen in your life if you only thought thoughts about yourself that God thinks about you? Here's some bad news for you, but it's also good news. Every word of God that he releases to you will be tested. Oh, thank you, Jim. Like, can, we, can we do like an impartation tunnel of like testing? And like, you know? Jesus tells the parable of the sower. There's the sower goes out. He's got one type of seed. It falls into four different types of soil. Here's what happens to the rocky soil, Mark 4, 16 and 17. Others are like the weeds sown on rocky places, other, uh, other soils, he's saying. They hear the word and receive it with joy. Oh, God, this is a great word. I'm so excited about this. But they themselves have no root, and they remain only for a season. You ready for this? When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. You guys hear that? Every true word from God actually attracts persecution. Why? Every word must be tested so you can see the strength of that word. Imagine if someone walked up to you and handed you a super suit. You know, like, listen, this super suit is amazing. It protects you from gunfire. It protects you from ninjas. It protects you from even, like, White Castle hamburgers. And so it's like, like whatever danger from the outside comes, this super suit will protect you. You can be like, well, that's, that sounds kind of cool. But when you put on the super suit and the bullets are bouncing off of you and the nunchucks actually tickle and the White Castle hamburgers, you're not doubled over in cramps 30 minutes later. Like, like perhaps the greatest superpower there, right? And so um, now you know the strength of that thing, and you begin to have confidence in the super suit. When God gives you a word, you're not just like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it here, and I got my identity statement. It makes me feel good. He actually wants you to see what he's doing. I love this picture. Is God, you know, he exists outside of time, right? So that's, that's a huge benefit. And so God is in your future when you've already received the breakthrough, He sees the person that he's called you to become. And so he's coming to you from your future into your present to give you information that you need so that you can get that breakthrough. We need those things. And so what's going to happen is he comes and he gives us this word and uh, he's designed it so that we get to see the strength of that word so now we begin to feed ourselves on it. We get to see this super suit really works. Wow, this word from God really is powerful. And it begins to shape me so that I can become the kind of person that he had in mind from the first place. In the same way, uh, you, will, you will not know the strength of the promise of God until you're put in the exact opposite circumstance of that promise. 
How do you think like the fruit of the spirit happens? How do you think joy happens? You think it happens in like an atmosphere of joy? What's going to happen is God's going to put you in the exact opposite circumstance from joy. We're going to need to tap into the Holy Spirit because you're not going to be getting it in any natural way. How do you think these words get tested? God gives you a word. You're like, this is going to be amazing. So, uh, so, uh, so Lori, you just, you just told us you got a word, you know, and so it's going to be preaching. You're going to be, uh, <laughs> you're going to be doing miracles. And so guess what's going to happen is there's going to be sometimes there may be a tough audience that you have. I was just listening to a podcast on this comedian, and uh, he talked about the roughest uh, crowd he ever had. He uh, was in his early days of doing comedy. He's really famous now. He's one of my favorites. And um, as he's talking, he, he had an hour set. As he's, he's 30 minutes into his set, um, somebody, uh, a table of four, uh, puts on their, like he's bombing. Like nobody's laughing. His thing isn't hitting. And this table of four, they get up, put on their coats, and then they leave. And then he said it, like, it was like contagious. Like then the table of two gets up. And walks out like he's still doing his set. And uh, like another table of four. The entire place walked out in the middle of his set. And so um, I'm not prophesying that over you, Lori. <laughs> I've, I've had some tough audiences before. I'm just saying that you get those words and what's going to happen is there's, there's probably going to be something the exact opposite. At least the enemy is going to try it. I'm not saying it's going to have fulfillment there. But there's going to be that temptation to go, hold on. Yeah. <sighs> Who's I to believe that word? Like that, I know that's not me. No, that's not you. That's going to be you. If you will take that word and treasure it and walk it and become the kind of person God saw when he gave it to you in the first place. If you thought you heard from God and you find out later that it was wrong, admit it. And don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Here's what happens to so many people is they get a word, they step out boldly and it doesn't work and they begin to question, oh my gosh, if I was wrong about that word, maybe I can't hear from God at all. Listen, don't go to some crazy, extreme, dark place because you missed it, okay? I remember, mistakes are part of learning. I remember standing over a lady's bed at a hospital and, uh, man, really feeling the word of the Lord. I'm like, this is amazing. And I declared, she will live and not die. Guess what? She didn't live. And so I was like, well, obviously I missed that one. I think you know, we could try to do some crazy theology and well, it's because of this and this. I'm like, yeah, I, I missed it on that one. So what do you do when you miss it? You see, you know what? God, I, I thought I heard from you. It was obvious that I didn't. Teach me. And guess what? Because I didn't give up on that, I've seen several people on their deathbed get up and live. Because if it doesn't detour you, you'll get your breakthrough where you had your biggest failure in. If you're not willing to make mistakes, if you're not willing to be wrong in your hearing, you're not going to be able to get what you need so that the miracle will come to pass. I love uh, uh, the Bethel School Supernatural Ministry. They got this thing. I don't know if they still do it, but I, I know they did a while ago. As they would tell first-year students, if you don't uh, miss it and fail at least three times this year, you can't be part of the school. And they're talking about like moral failures, like go out and sin big. But they're talking about like you step out and you're trusting God. In other words, if you're staying so small that you're you know, constantly able to stay in like victory, you're not stepping out big enough. How many of you guys know, like, picture like concentric circles, you know, and it's like you're comfortable in this first circle. Here's what happens is um, people who never take risks, they, uh, they become the, the kingdom nag police and they begin to criticize other people who are taking risks and failing. Those are some of the biggest cowards and the most arrogant people in the body of Christ are people who stay in this one circle and criticize other people who are going for a circle. Look at that person, they failed. Well, it's easy to criticize because you have a track record of perfect because you've never done nothing. Those of us out there who are taking risks and bombing, of course we're going to miss it, but guess what? We're going farther. 
then just staying here and on our little Facebook page just criticizing everybody. <laughs> Here's the good news, though, is when I step out and take a risk, and um, guess what? Now that's part of my inheritance, and my circle just got bigger. It's not just one circle, it's two circles. That's how we begin to take territory. As we, we step out, we may miss it a little bit. It's uncomfortable, but pretty soon, how many of you guys realize it becomes comfortable? It's not that big of a deal because you've done it before with him. You've got a, you've got a track record. I felt like the Lord gave me a word uh, from Isaiah thirty three twenty four. I love the passages of Scripture that mention Zion. I just pretend they're all written to us. I don't know if you ever do something like that, but this one, uh, Isaiah 33, 24, no one in Zion will say, I am sick, for the Lord has forgiven their iniquities. So I was, I was looking through some prophetic words, and man, I hadn't seen this one in a while. This is from James Maloney from a couple years ago, and he said this over our church, no one in church will be sick, then no one in your city, not just hospitals. Well, I don't know, that, that person got sick. And, I, and it didn't really work over there. And it's like, well, just stay in your little box. Guys, I, I'm guarding that word. Like, I, I feel like I've discovered a new treasure all over again. I feel like I went up in the attic and I felt like I didn't even know this was here. No one in church will be sick. Then no one in the city, not just hospitals. Listen, I don't care what your track record is. I don't care if you swing and miss every single time that you've been up to the plate. The point is, you've got this word, you've got this promise, it's time to become a prisoner of that promise. Like, I can't get away from this thing. My life may be looking like the opposite, but God, you've said. Heidi Baker got a prophetic word that she was going to have authority over deaf ears. The next 100 deaf ears that she prayed for, zero healings. How many of you guys know, like around 76, it'd be tempting to go, you know what, maybe that prophet just got a little zealous. It was prophesying out of their emotional state there. And uh, how many guys know that? But then there's number 82, 83, 84. And uh, now when she goes into villages in Mozambique, she has a 100% track record of, of seeing healings. That's just how they do it. They say, bring us the deaf. They pray for them. The, God comes down uh, through signs and wonders, and they begin to preach the gospel, and villages get saved. Let me ask you this. Would you be willing to endure the 100 knowing that 100% was on the other side of it? Why didn't those first 100 get healed? I don't know, but I'm going to focus on what God is doing, not what he hasn't done yet, because if I focus on what he hasn't done yet, now I'm building a case against God and I'm justifying my own unbelief. Oh, I just haven't seen it and this and that. Has God said? You were not born to just occupy your little circle. You were born to be a frontiersman to find new land. And what happens is this promise draws us into new territories. It draws us into further circles. One of my favorite passages uh, when I was in college, I don't know why, I just love this passage. Let God be true and every man a liar. I, don't, I just love some of those passages where Jesus is like, you son of the devil. I don't know what it is. I just like, Jesus had a way with words with some people and it's just like, yes. I've never said that to anybody, but I kind of want to. I don't know what it is. It's uh, still some things that are getting worked out on me. Let God be true and every man a liar. Romans 3, 4. Some of you are facing impossible situations in your business. Let God be true and every man a liar. Some of you are facing some hopeless situations in your body. Let God be true and every man a liar. Some of you have battled an addiction and you're thinking, I'm never going to be free. 
Let God be true and every man a liar. God has uh, told some of you about your destiny to shake cities and influence nations and you feel stuck. Let God be true and every man a liar. Some of you want to be married or have a baby and it seems hopeless. Let God be true and every man a liar. Some of your finances seem like a disaster. Let God be true and every man a liar. Listen, guys, there has to come a time where you just believe God. You can't keep digging the thing up to see if it's really a seed. What will you do to guard the word that God has said to you? Every word will be tested, but it's so that you'll know the strength of that word. So that you'll become the kind of person who can carry the weight of that answer. Remember, God is coming to you from your future with information in your present that he knows you're going to need so you become the person that he saw all along. Treasure that word. Jealously guard it. Write it down. Declare it out loud. Get a t-shirt made if you have to. But let God be true and every man a liar. Here's what I want to do. It's if, um, I want everybody to stand up. And uh, I, I want you to think about a word that God has highlighted to you. So maybe it's a prophetic word of your life. Maybe it's a verse that has jumped out. And, um, uh, you know, just something, maybe it's just an impression that you had, a kind of a knowing. Maybe it was something in your, uh, your um, spirit-filled intuition. Or maybe an imagination. You got a word picture of yourself doing something. I want you to get a picture of, of, of a, a specific thing that you feel like God has spoken to you. So just take about 10 seconds and just say, Holy Spirit, which one do you want me to remember right now? If you can't think of a word, we're going to have our ministry teams up here, and uh, maybe they'll be able to help you. Something will ping with you. But I believe many of you have a word. Are you guys ready? Here's what I want you to do. And the count of three, I want you to say it out loud to God. God, I believe that, and say it out loud. You don't have to yell it or shout it or anything, and, uh, but just there's something that happens when a person on earth with authority comes into line with heaven's authority with our lips. Well, Jim, is that name it and claim it? Well, the Bible says unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you ain't going to have it. So here's what I, I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to activate that thing. And guess what? It's going to feel a little weird if you're not used to it, so mix it with faith. God, I believe that, and then just say the word. So on the count of three, I believe that. So everyone's going to say that in unison. Then there's going to be a bunch of crazy stuff coming out of your mouth. Crazy in all the right places. Okay. One, two, three. I believe that. Mm. Just put your hand over your heart. Lord, thank you. And uh, just as Mary prayed, uh, let it be unto me according to your word. Just say that. Let it be unto me according to your word. Lord, we just uh, thank you for a grace from the Holy Spirit to honor your word at another level. To go and dig up those words, find those emails, find those recordings from our phone, find those scribbled pieces of paper, find those underlinings in our Bible. Lord, I thank you for a grace. There's a spot in, in, uh, in uh, the book, I can't remember if it's 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy, where Paul says... Um, Timothy, wage war with the words spoken over you. 
Take those prophetic words and wage war over them. Zion, I'm challenging you to wage war with those prophetic words. What's the war over? The war is over whether you're going to believe it or not. Because once you believe it, it's done. Lord, I just thank you that there's a grace to keep that seed in the soil and to quit digging it up. Lord, I just thank you that we can just be assured, let God be true and every man a liar. Lord, I thank you that your word will come to pass. I thank you that you're shaping us to become the kind of people who can carry the weight of the word. Lord, I thank you that you're doing a deep work. Amen. Hey, uh, before we go, if there's anyone in here and uh, you do not know Jesus, you've come into a church, you're, uh, you're probably drugged here by a fanatic or something, who knows what's happened, why you came here. But um, you're here and you're like, you know, something feels different here. Something's real. And uh, maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus or it's been a long time. But you're like, hey, I want, I want in on this thing. I want to commit my life to Jesus. The gospel in two words is trust Jesus. I'm not just believing facts about him 2,000 years ago. I'm putting my confidence in him. God, I'm trusting you to show me how to lead my life, my family, my finances. And so, God, I want as much of you in my life as possible. And so if that's you here today, you're like, I don't know Jesus, but I don't want to leave this place without knowing him. Um, some people say, you know, if you were to die tomorrow, where would you go? I say, if you were to live tomorrow and live for a long time, who do you want to lead your life? You or Jesus? And, um, and you, you have an opportunity to start following him now, and it will last for all of eternity. And so uh, if you're here and you do not know Jesus, but you're like, hey, I, I want this. I want to trust him. I'm just going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Here's what Jesus said. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So there's not a person in here who hasn't, uh, who's born again who hasn't already had that time. And so we're just going to be cheering you on. There's nothing that we're going to do to embarrass you. We're not going to make you come on stage or anything. But uh, if you're here and you want, to, you want to know Jesus, this is your day. I'm just going to ask you to do something bold and just raise your hand. Is there anybody in here? You do not know Jesus, but you're like, hey, this is... I want to do this. I want to trust Jesus. Anybody in here? Lots of people keep faking me out with scratching their noses. I'm like, ah. All right, if you did not, I'll raise your hand, but you, uh, you wish you would have. Our teens will be up here. They would, we'd love to pray with you. And so, uh, and I get it. Sometimes just seeds get planted, but I just encourage you. If God spoke to your heart today, just keep following that thing and just watch it grow and, uh, and just see what he does with it. So, all right, so our ministry teams will be coming forward. They'll be the ones with uh, tags on. If you need someone to agree with you, and maybe you're like, hey, I can't really think of a word that, I, that I've had over my life, come and let them give you an encouraging word. That's what the Bible calls prophecy. We'd love to do that with you. And um, if there's any, uh, I got a feeling there could be a bunch of people coming forward. If we could have, uh, if there's any second year students or uh, CSSM graduates, come on up and help us so, uh, so they don't do all the heavy lifting here. That would be awesome. So, all right. God bless you guys. Remember the sign over the door, give them heaven this week. All right. Uh, uh, bless your uh, children's workers and. Um, all right, we'll see you guys soon. Bless you.